0: I'm Aon
1: and I'm the Lioness
0: and you're listening to box number 512 podcast
1: Role black trans woman talk changing your world one conversation at a time
0: the show begins now If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our box number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for this show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all back to the show. Hey y'all welcome to another episode of box number Full podcast grown black trans women talk I am your co host Aeon and I'm the lioness how y'all feel? before we get into updates we have an addendum to a story that we did last week um so on last last week's episode Onika's Brothers, cousins, cousins' friends' balls, whatever. I can't remember the name. <laughs> y'all know the episode because y'all, y'all random number. That episode got more listens than the episode that came out before it. So apparently, because of Nicki Minaj's story of her cousin's friend's um, balls being inflamed or whatever from the vaccine shot, it's prompted the prim, the the prime minister of health in Trinidad to <laughs> launch an investigation to find out. Who, who, this cousin, who, who this person is, did they really experience effects from um, the vaccine shot? And uh, allegedly people are looking for the woman that called out for the wedding um, because he was unable to produce kids. So I just thought that that was a funny update to the story. And also it's just a further example of, keep if you a celebrity, keep your business off of social media because what you post does have real life consequences. And the story was probably a lie because apparently they can't find this cousin. So there was no cousin, huh? They can't. Well, we don't. Well, it still may be a cousin, but on the island of uh, Trinidad, they haven't found him. And I don't think Trinidad is that big. And I'm assuming everybody would know everybody. But the point is... Nikki lying on Trinidad, and they're, and they're very upset with her. They're very upset with her. So I just wanted to, to give that update that that story is probably alive, but we did that last week.
1: What I was going to um, say, this just really fast, because, you know, I got to get my two cents on this, because I read right. it last week. What I found interesting, because I did watch the press conference myself, was he talked about how much time they wasted trying to find this person. Like, they actually, for real, were looking, and in his press, in his statement, he actually said you know, the amount of wasted time they spent an entire day testing out sources and that it did not exist. And Nikki has not said anything. So Nikki, if you're listening, which I doubt, but if you're listening, you got to stop, sis. You got to stop. They, they, they're not playing with you in 2020 and this 2021 and this COVID. And you got to stop lying. Everyone out there, I don't think that there were nuts that were swollen. I think that was a story she concocted or... You know, it's like one of those, I heard a friend that said, so shout out to you, Nikki. We want you to do better. We want you to rise from this experience. We want you to live authentically in truth.
0: Amen. <laughs> yeah, but de- definitely have had to give that follow up, but um, turn into to updates um, and I'll keep it brief because we de- we have a special guest on today's episode. I So today is my second day in my job. Uh, I'm working at a a new law firm um, here in the DC area. Um, it is very overwhelming. Of course, there are a lot of forms to sign, a lot of new practices to get acclimated to, and a lot of new programs that I've never heard of. But I'm happy to be starting a new chapter, to be practicing a totally different area of law. And I just look forward to growing as a young attorney. And I'm just, ha- I'm just, And I also noticed that I'm one of the only I don't I haven't seen that many black people employed. So I'm just I'm the only black attorney that I've seen since I've been there the two days. So I'm taking that in and um, also processing um, not processing, not just being the only black person, but like what that signifies, um, especially how far I've came, the odds have been stacked against me. So it's kind of like double fold. But they I was chosen to be in this position. I'm definitely qualified and we just wanna rock it to the the wheels fall off. I'm de, I'm definitely on a a new journey and I, I'm definitely I look forward to seeing this to the end. I'm just I'm very blessed um to be in this position. Uh, this past so last week I had my dog. My mom she made it safely back from her birthday vacation to, to Cancun. So I'm happy that she's back, but I do miss my dog. But I left some of her things here because I told my mom that I want her to start bringing a dog um, here, just so, just so, cause I miss, I miss having her here, and I love taking care of her. I just, I like having something to take care of. Um, but my, Savannah is back in Baltimore, but I love her dearly. I try to go back to Baltimore when I can. Uh, my mother and I are taking a, a weekend vacation to Las Vegas in November. We just booked the flight in the hotel. My Uncle lives in Las Vegas, and we're going there for his 60th birthday. I I haven't seen my Uncle Ben since I was a child, oh, wow. um, so this this will be interesting. But Uncle Ben is married to a white woman. You know, usually black men that are married to white women, they they they're a little bit more docile when it comes to like the LGBT stuff. So I don't I don't have to worry about him calling me out my name or you know none of that. And his one of his daughters is a lesbian, so. I'm definitely going. And I think he's one of the family members that's been asking to see me or asking about me. So I'm in a definitely in a phase of my life where I'm only repa- I'm trying to put myself out there to develop relationships with people that have extended an olive branch. And this will definitely be a way of me extending the olive branch. And I'll be going to Las Vegas for the first time. This will be like the first trip that my mother and I have taken since I've been a grown adult. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, together um so that'll be interesting but yeah I'm just it's a lot it's a lot of great stuff going on with me out here in these dating streets but we'll save those stories for another episode but I'm just I'm just really I'm just really in a, a great space I'm really happy to be here and I'm just on a journey of living every living life and taking everything day by day I will turn it over to you sis what's what's going on with you
1: Living, loving, and laughing at the bullshit. So my week has been busy. Um, So um, I've been, um, this past week, I've been doing some work for my nonprofit, Trans Individuals Living Their Truth Incorporated. Um, And um, we got some big things coming up. I made some new relationships. Um, I also have been really busy this week with my fellowship. Um, I have some, so as a part of the fellowship, you know, they give us these, assignments that they want us to do and um i'm i'm excited for this opportunity but i'm also you know dealing with you know managing different personalities shout out to my mentor i'd love to meet with you more often um <laughs> but i mean you know it's been a, it's been a busy week um i've been able to do some more consultant work which is always good because you know some consultant chefs actually be cute on the low especially when you get, you know, when you work it out right. So I've been, I've been blessed to have some new opportunities coming up this week. So coming up tomorrow, I will be headed to Florida to spend the rest of the week with my mother-in-law. This trip was not planned significantly in advance. So there's that, you, you know, in my head, like getting wrapping my mind around, going to Florida, you know, being with family, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. I'm excited. Um, So we'll be heading out tomorrow morning Um, and life is good. Um, I, you know, there, you know, it's a lot going on. I've been putting out fires left and right, but I think that busy is always good, particularly when busy gets to the bottom line. So I don't have no complaints. Life is good. And I'm excited for you, Brianna. When I saw your today about your new position or yesterday about your new position. I was very excited for you um, and I want you to know that I love you and I am very proud of your accomplishment. I love you too,
0: sis. I am very
1: excited for your future. I think that you are blazing trails and you are really, really transforming the landscape one day at a time with your job. I know, you know, sometimes particularly in the work that you do, sometimes people can forget how transformative it is to have someone that looks like us in these spaces and i just want to just give you all the shine and love right now because you are being a possibility model for so many trans women out there that may not necessarily see themselves and see law as an option because of the societal you know the stigmas and the societal oppression that says certain people can't do certain things so thank you for being thank you for your existence and thank you for continuing to pursue. Work for this community. But now I don't want to talk much longer because we have a wonderful guest coming up. So I'll let you
0: introduce our guest tonight. Definitely. Before we get to the guest, definitely have to do some housekeeping. But before I do that, my thoughts and prayers are with the the Haitian refugees at the Texas border. Um Did you see that footage? Yeah, I, I saw it, and it's really making me nervous, and it's really giving me anxiety because if they w- w- whip them, and it's people taking pictures, I'm scared that some, one of them are going to lose their lives um, at that on um, Texas border. So I, I'm just praying, whatever i'm I'm hoping that there's some black Center um, organizing spaces that can specifically uh, go to their border and advocate for those people. Like at the end of the day, my point is let them into the country. They're not hurting anybody by being in the country, or trying to arrest- we
1: can get three thousand Afghan people on planes, more than right. three thousand Afghan people on planes across the world over here. And what is the difference in their qualifications? Versus these other individuals that are in an equally unstable country that are coming over here, asylum is asylum, or at least I thought. But apparently there have been policies
0: based on this
1: that to actively discriminate against Haitians for a very long time. I've been doing a deep dive on that today, sis, and I am—it is deplorable. You right. Know?
0: So my and and deport them, deport them where they don't have anywhere to go back to. That. That's why they're risking their lives traveling by foot through Central America to get to Texas. It's just like, come on, arrest the, and I just saw something on the news, the governor's like, well, we're gonna arrest them. Arrest them for what? Literally wasting taxpayer money, taxpayer resources that will be better spent into providing social services, mental health services, um, translate, like, uh, it's, it's just so disgusting. Uh, to see how inhospitable we are in land that's not even ours
1: um you know, turn- I find interesting as well um the biden administration hesitancy to really take the stand that i feel that they should take to support these immigrants they're using policies that the trump administration used around covid to deny these people access and i just think that that's just deplorable and on top of that, I want the African-American community here to know we don't have the luxury of turning a blind eye to this because a lot of the way that they're perceiving this, these individuals is a residual residue of the way that they see us and the way that we're treated. And because these are Black people, particularly for us African-Americans, and us Black folks in America, we need to really, really try to do our best to be welcoming also. Um, I, was, I was listening to a prominent Haitian um, activist in Houston on, on TV talk about how he is having a hard time even getting Black churches in Houston to wrap their minds around trying to support these individuals because they are not even seeing this as an issue that affects them as if they don't have
0: all Y'all, y'all want to be white so bad.
1: Y'all oh want to be white bad. so bad. And so shout out to our Haitian um, listeners out there. Shout out to the entire country of Haiti. We know that you're going through a lot right now. And, you know, whether you hear it from any other place at Box Number 512 Podcast, we're here to support you. And I do want also, to if we can, to try to, um, 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 if you don't mind, I would like for us to put Um, a link to some type of Haitian support service on this page because it is actually frightening to know that there are thousands of people that are basically just
0: being treated like dogs at the border. It really is. Right. Uh, Not because they're refugees, but because they're black. Like it's not. Refugees. Right. So like, let's be clear. So definitely want to say that if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to review and leave a comment it helps other folks uh, who are looking for Black trans them content to find our podcast. I actually did the search and typed in Black woman to see what pop- pops up. And really, it's only us that's, that's uh, popping up under that thing. So, rightfully so. Right, <laughs> we, we we definitely want to see more podcasts because we're not the only the only ones out there. But make sure you're reviewing, make sure you're you're leaving those comments, make sure you're telling a friend about our podcast. Word of mouth is a real thing, and it can be very powerful. Now that we've gotten that out the way. We have a very special guest on Box Number Five Soul Podcast. We are going to be j- joined by Jay Hurt, aka Jeremy, host and creator of Let's Talk Bruh Podcast. It's a podcast that I've been listening to since we, since before Box Number Five Soul Podcast was even a thought. And when I heard the podcast, I was like, "Oh my God!" Like black men are actually having these conversations amongst themselves, and they're they're trying to like be better and get better, and they they know about like trans women and f- black feminist theory, and um ho- like it it just it blew my mind um that black men were kind of like self organizing in that way and kind of um having counsel um amongst each other, and I, I listen intermittently only because I know I'm not the audience and not every conversation is for me, um, but. I've been trying. I've been trying to get Jeremy on here um, for a while because I really respect his platform and the the work that he does. And I know that a lot of Black cis um, men do follow our podcast and listen to our podcast. And we we definitely talk a lot about doing the work and um, self help and not and not using Black women and films for labor. So it just made sense for us to have him on our platform, just so he can just talk about his journey and the work that he's been doing. And hopefully, it will inspire some of y'all guys to go on over to his platform and support his platform. And also build community amongst yourselves and um, do your own work because, when and I've said it before, when Black men become free, we all can be a little bit safer in the world. And I'm all about uh, creating safety uh, for everybody. So without further ado, Jeremy, please, please come on the line.
2: What up, what up, what up? Thank you for the introduction, I appreciate you.
0: Definitely, definitely. Thank you for um coming on down. so to to just get this started out, um introduce yourself to the people. um tell them where you're from um, and tell them about your platform. Let's talk Brides.
2: So thank you again for the invitation. And I think one thing you forgot to mention is you were featured on one of our episodes, Brianna, maybe two months ago, two, three months ago. so. Just briefly, briefly well, very featured, briefly, brief, yeah. briefly <laughs>
1: featured, a feature, nonetheless. This yes, <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, so Jeremy Hurt, uh, he, him, his pronouns um, in terms of like how Let's Talk was started, uh, started officially in 2018. But it kind of had its origins, I guess, in the years prior. So I think for me, in my kind of early DC days, you know, mid-20s, 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, just being out in DC, being young, single Black man in DC, uh, just kind of feeling like I am that dude, just like can't tell me shit. Um, And then, you know, number one, being checked by people in my life, specifically Black women in my life, whether it's like some dating situations, whether it's, you know, how I'm showing up as a friend and then also during that time, kind of seeing the conversations on social media shift around like things around me too. And a lot of these issues became more visible on the internet. So I'm kind of being called out in my personal life, kind of seeing these, these conversations happen online about like black men, masculinity, what needs to happen. I'm I'm, I'm realizing that, okay, I'm being called out. I'm seeing it happen. And I can't really deny this shit. Like I can't just sit up here and say like patriarchy isn't real or toxic masculinity isn't a real thing. Like I'm I'm experiencing it. I'm, I'm being called out. So I think for me, it just kind of became something I became really interested in. So just, you know, doing some self-study, you know, kind of doing the very, uh, kind of stereotypical, like buying my bell hooks, like my first starter kit into like black feminism, my bell hooks and all that. And like really just taking a real interest to it because I feel like I was able to see a different type of masculinity presented in what bell hooks was talking about. And like, okay, she's calling men out, but this actually makes sense. Like I can relate to being a kid and being a young black boy and being told not to cry and that never felt healthy, never felt healing. So I was then really interested in trying to have these conversations with you know, friends and kind of seeing, you know, what spaces existed either online or whatever where, you know, black men were having these conversations. So that's kind of where the genesis started um, in terms of why, you know, I wanted to kind of start this platform and start, you know, have this community. So uh, from there, 2018, started the podcast and we've kind of been going from there and, you know, the community, Facebook group, got the book club. Uh, so it really just kind of came from like a personal. You know, series of moments, you know, early 20s and then kind of seeing these conversations happen. And then, you know, from there, you know, started to really, you know, get involved and have the episodes and, you know, connect with the community. So long answer, but that hope that gives you kind of like, you know, a little bit of the origin of Let's Talk Bruh.
1: It does. Um, so I am fascinated because I know that your theme this season is divesting from patriarchy. And I know that we live in a day and time where it is not popular to say what you say, particularly in the Kevin Samuels, the Mm -hmm. clubhouse gangster, Mm -hmm. the the era where Black men are feeling like, for whatever reason, they are under attack by women and queer people and, and trans people and LGBT folk. I mean... There is this real feeling amongst a lot of black men right now that masculinity, that manness itself, is under attack. And I can imagine that your podcast in this in this season that we're in is met with mixed responses. And I want to know: Did you ever feel any fear or any rep, um, any um, apprehension or any? Um, I guess second thoughts about having such a I guess uh, it would be almost almost uh, it, it the reason why we're fascinated by you and the mm-hmm. reason why we really appreciate what you do is because it is so uncommon in this current world that we're in today so did you feel any apprehension
2: I wouldn't say any apprehension or fear I think about that particular point I think it's more of like a fear of like sharing any kind of creative endeavor to the world like damn what people think but like as time has progressed you know you have people from the jump uh were really into it and really supported it and like oh like this is resonating this is dope like to know that people really you know appreciate what we're doing um and of course like it's interesting if we post you know we had to think we've had a post about uh TI and like the whole Hyman situation. So like, we'll post certain things and we'll definitely lose followers. Like when we post certain things like that, it definitely happens Um, and we definitely get comments and like people will have a whole field day in the comment section. Um, So it's like, it's, I don't think I had a fear around that. I think it's more of just like, okay, we see what resonates, we see what doesn't resonate. um, And it's like, how can we just pull brothers along who want to be somewhat part of the, the journey? I think, you know, I think one thing I've, you know maybe got in the grasp of is we probably won't convert the hotep nigga. Like we it's probably just not gonna happen. Like no matter how much I would love for every Hotep to be like on some similar path that we are, it's just not gonna happen. But like for the guys who maybe who might listen to a Kevin Samuels live, that dude he might be able to, you know, adapt or listen to Let's Talk for like you know, we might be able to bring him in. So I try to, you know, approach it that way. Sometimes, but, you know, like, you know, not everybody's going to fuck with it. And that's just kind of what it is. Um, So, you know, I think it's definitely learning moments in terms of what kind of content, what kind of topics, what kind of books really turn some folks away. It's like, okay, that resonated in a different way. So, you know, it's just a learning curve. And, uh you know, I, I feel like I'm always learning in this process and just like continuously, you know, once I think i figure something out, it's like, no, actually rewind, you know, got that wrong. So it's always like a back and forth, like, you know, thing.
1: I have another follow-up question. What do you Mm -hmm. think about this current culture where men like yourself would be called, and I mean, no disrespect, but simps by a certain quality, certain group of men. What do you think about this culture that we're in and have you experienced the dynamic from men that I was speaking on earlier where there's this feeling of being attacked. And how do you deal with that as a man being in men's spaces and having to encounter that?
2: So I think for the most part, like the negative feedback from men has mostly been online, like digital spaces. So like whenever we would maybe have like a let's talk for an event or even I'm trying to think of any in-person things we might have done, nobody's like, check me and be like, yo, let's talk, early. y'all doing some, you know, simp you know, stuff. It's mostly been in digital spaces. So it's just like, once you see it a couple of times, you're kind of just like, at least for, for myself, I'm kind of like, all right, I'm definitely engaged. So I think I appreciate when folks leave comments on our posts who like, okay, you disagree, but you're actually... Trying to engage, so I'm I'm a question it. I'm a, a push back, and you know that's kind of been the the vibe of let's talk, friend. Even it kind of carries over to our Facebook group sometimes. When you might have a dude who might have some kind of harmful beliefs around something, and I think for me, yes, the harmful stuff needs to be called out, but like there still kind of needs to be an opportunity for us to discuss it. And I think I'm really appreciative of our Facebook group and our book club for like. Yeah, sometimes it's not the prettiest conversation or like the most eloquent, you know, somebody might not have the most eloquent theory or whatever beliefs on whatever topics are out there. But uh I know for myself, it's like I, I can't necessarily worry too much about like the negative comments or like people who disagree with it. I definitely sit with it for a minute and it might like sting like, oh, damn, like this person really is not messing with. Let's talk for like, OK. And it might sting from like a personal point of view, like, you know, you put something into the world and somebody doesn't like it, but. I think uh it kind of gotta I think what I've am maybe learning is to embrace some of that confrontation a little bit having boundaries around it but it's like yo like I want to be in spaces with black men where we are struggling through this stuff and like knowing that not every conversation is gonna be smooth like so if we say something, co- say something maybe controversial and people are pushing back that's actually a good sign versus maybe just radio silence and just dead like no no silence like no noise at all so uh try to take it with a grain of salt um trying not to take it too personally um so but i think with the internet there's always going to be so much just like people having their opinions and you know take it take it and leave it thank you, um, thank you.
0: so i have a question and um just i'm um, getting more personal so when let's talk mm. first started it was you and a co-host, mm-hmm. and uh, it get, it got to a point where it turned in from you, um, you and your co-host to just you by yourself. And you actually had an episode where you, um, your co-host, you kind you both kind of explain why the the format of the show um, will be changing. And without going to um, anything personal, um, I want to know. D- As a result of doing the show, did it equip you with tools to kind of go through that breakdown or um, that um, transition? Like, how did you? Because we've seen examples. I'm thinking about to the episode that we did about the Joe Butter show. That when you have two people that come together and do a project, and there's a miscommunication, sometimes that it can blow up and it can turn into a big thing. And I, I was kind of. I was kind of shocked that the format of the show was changing because i had got used to hearing it but mm-hmm. what but the fact that you both were able to kind of explain what was going on and just put it out on front street and at least from that episode it appeared that there was like a respect or that it was a, a positive like um a positive um separation and that the audience was in on that i just want to know that are the tools that you acquired did that help you um, navigate that and um, go through that as um, your show has changed over the years
2: yeah i mean you brought it back because that was like two years ago and i really appreciate <laughs> that i think that's definitely like a, a definitely a, a pivotal moment in the show and like my personal you know so i think it's yeah, number one like here is still one of my best friends i talk to him on the daily pretty much so it was just a moment where it's just like you know when you embark on this creative project with one of your best friends you know you just have one of those conversations where you're like yo are we are we still good doing this do we still want to do this together and like for me it was just like you know it could be frustrating at times from my end from his end cuz from before that we're just homies just like best friends and now we're kind of doing this this work together so it definitely creates a new relationship um but i think when we started having those conversations about you know going our separate ways it was like yo I want us to still be the best of friends, whether this podcast is here or not. Like, and, that, and to your point, I think that's a part of the work. So it's just like, even with Let's Talk Bro it was never here, it's like the inner work of like my male friends and having that love still there and having the vulnerability still there to have those conversations. I think that was just like, you know, preserving the friendship and then we'll figure out the creative partnership stuff later. Like, you know, we. I want us to still be best of friends and still have love for each other, regardless if we're on the podcast. So um i do think that some of the stuff that i've been kind of getting into as far as mental health vulnerability and having those kind of tough conversations kind of help that moment a little bit easier and like yo like i don't want to you know have this you know thing here where you know it causes a rift between one of my best friends like that's like we're definitely going the wrong way if we're we're entering that territory so um it was just like yo, let's let's talk about it and you know from there let's figure out what this looks like and you know i'm gonna still Talk to you every day. You're going to still hit me up when we do hit me up. So it was uh, it's funny. I haven't thought about that in a minute, so you brought it up. But I appreciate the kind of refresh because um, it was definitely one of those moments where it just took like, you know, uncomfortable conversations, which, you know, hope it's like kind of putting the, the theory to practice, like talking about it on the podcast, but then actually having that moment with your with your friend on the podcast and even before it. So uh, just some real, real life stuff. End of the day, <laughs> for real.
0: You know that's very powerful
1: i say that because um we are friends that do a podcast together and we've had to Mm -hmm. navigate well we we actually have been so far on the same page we really haven't had much conflict brianna and i work very well together but we've always said that our friendship is first Mm -hmm. that if it got to that place where we felt like this would be a, a detriment to our friendship that we would find another way to make it work. If that means, you know, we have to do it I think. And luckily so far so great because we kind of have that same agenda. Now, let me ask you, were you nervous about taking it yourself and kind of, cause you know, there are, there's a certain, I, I'm aware that when you're doing a podcast with someone else, there's a dynamic that's established. And like, that's a really big change in the way that, the flow of things was gonna go with the podcast. Were you nervous about that that particular change and was it an easy transition for you?
2: I was nervous, very nervous, like very nervous. Cause I think, you know, to the points you guys have been mentioning like, yo, like the vibe, the chemistry was one of the things that really, you know, made it really enjoyable as a, a person on the podcast, like the chemistry y'all have, I can see it. It's like, that made it fun to come back to. So. And I think that's one thing that our, our listeners gravitated to as well. So I think I was very nervous, like, yo, are niggas really just going to tune into me talking? Like, that seems like crazy. But, you know, and I think, you know, being vulnerable about that and also just like, uh, so did, yeah, to answer your question, yes, very nervous about it. Um, and I think the, the, the consistency of like the Facebook group and the community um, being there, um, made it helpful to know that like, okay, yes, we're in a different stage of the podcast, but like the support is still there. People still want to be engaged with it, even as it's changing. Um, so it definitely kind of helped and, you know, even gave more ideas for like what let's talk work can become as it changes, as it, you know, adapts and, uh, evolves and all those things. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's, it's really, I really appreciate y'all asking these questions cause you know, it's, I haven't necessarily talked about it since then, but it's it's a definitely like a really pivotal like moment in let's talk Re, I guess trajectory.
1: Well, that's how you know we really did our
2: research. Y'all did the research. I <laughs> appreciate it.
1: You know, I we all, we it. like to particularly what I, what I love what we love about interviewing is we never try to interview individuals that we don't have a certain modicum of respect for. We try to really be intentional with our platform because we're speaking to a community that often is exploited. We try to be very, very particular with the content that we provide and we are very conscious of our audience. And I know that you you also are someone that is very, very conscious in what you put out. So I wanna get into this politic now. You are a black man in America. You are talking about things and issues that not too many Individuals outside of academia often are, are are exposed to, you know. There's beyond the cultural gap between our community and a lot of the topics that you talk about. There is also a genuine knowledge gap. You mentioned earlier bell hooks. You mentioned earlier, you know, um, and that and that leads me to believe that you have a grounding in black feminist thought that you've at least researched and that you understand a lot about concepts that are foreign to many Black men. So I want to go back. What in your life, what about you? What about this man before us today? What happened in your life for you to become this aware of your space that you take up? Because it's one thing to say, I'm going to talk about this topic. Um, I'm going to talk about this topic, and I'm going to pick things that are going to reach a certain audience. But you had a co-host, now you're by yourself, but you still, I feel like you, a large part of what your platform does is it really unpacks a lot of things that a lot of men are comfortable in. So what about you? When did you get this part of an ally? What about, what in your life in, or what events transpired for you to become this man today that is knowledgeable on these topics?
2: Well, it's definitely, gotta sit with that for a second. Um... I don't even know if it was like a particular event. I think it was definitely that period of time, like early to mid twenties where I was just like, I kind of mentioned kind of being called out by certain people in my personal life, seeing things happen online. Um, yes. I don't know if there was an event that really sparked it. I think for me, when it came down to like, okay, when I actually started reading some of these books, it's like, okay, to me, to me, logically, it just made sense that okay if i am a straight black man i know what i experience as far as racism and then if my sister who is a straight black but she's a woman she's gonna face the racism of being black but the misogyny and sexism of being a woman like it just to me i don't know the 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 layers just kind of made sense from like there's a logical like okay one, one plus one equals two. She's facing two things. If I have a homie who's who's gay, you know, it's just so to me, look at it like that and they be able to place myself and realize that, OK, like, yo, I know what I face as a black man in this country. And I know what or I, I like to be open to knowing what my, my, my black sisters face, my queer community faces. And it's different from me. It's different from my experience. It may be like a double layer of oppression from their experience. It doesn't take away from my experience and my you know, struggle as a Black man, but it's just a different experience. So I think, I don't know, like, I I honestly don't know if there was an event. It's just, I think for me, it just took my, it took me realizing that I can acknowledge the experiences of other Black folks and the struggles and oppressions, and that doesn't take away from mine. So when Black women are on the timeline talking about, like, street harassment or things like that, does not the gate it's just that i go through it's just like that's their experience i can either listen to it or i can ignore it it's still their experience and i think for me it was just like i can still hold on to me my value you know i still have my anxiety my fear and i can listen to and get to know like what it means to exist as somebody who is gay as somebody who is trans and like okay that's different from my experience i'm not you know it doesn't take away but i think that sometimes that may be Uh, a hard thing to grasp for some straight black men where it's just like, we've been seeing the images of you know black men are uh, endangered species. And like, we've been put as like the pedestal of like what we need to do to protect black people is to protect black men. I think we've been fed those images kind of like as propaganda without really getting the chance to look at the other identities that other black folks have. Um, So we just continue to center ourselves. So I don't know, like, I think just seeing, I think being able to see myself and then see other people and like realize I don't have to tear anybody else down, um, and I can still be heard. I, I don't, I don't know. I know that's a long-winded answer, but I think uh, that that's probably just what comes to mind.
1: Thank you for your answer just a moment ago. Um, I would like to know so what you talked about was this experience of being a man and being able to identify that there were other people in, in the Black culture that had these experiences that did not necessarily take away from yours. But what you demonstrate in your podcast and divesting from patriarchy, because as a man, you don't really have to consider that, but you're the type of man that does. And so I would have, I have a question about who raised you? Because they did a damn good job. <laughs> like because Yo, that's funny. having empathy, having this level of empathy requires that you are. Able yeah,
0: everybody to- don't have that.
1: No, and I just get into it. Who are you? Where did
2: you come from? <laughs> was that was that the real question that you wanted to ask me before- yes, beforehand? That's the real
0: question. That's my follow up question. Where, Got where- you.
2: <laughs> I mean, so my parents, my parents, uh, Fair and Ronald Hurt. They are right upstairs in the room above me. I'm in the basement right now. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think my parents, they've always been like super laid back. Um, Let me kind of just always, they've always empowered me to like do my thing. I guess what I mean by that is like always hearing messages, like you can always be whatever you want to be. And I think like as a kid, It definitely after you hear it so many times, at least for myself, it's like, okay, I get it. I got you. Thanks, mom and dad. I appreciate you. Like, I get it. I I heard you. I heard you when I was seven. I heard you when I was 15. Like, I got you. But I guess I think over time, I really started to just believe that and just have an open mind around things. I think just seeing how my parents interacted and seeing how their relationship at times didn't necessarily subscribe to certain gender roles around like a man needs to do this. A woman needs to do that. So they never like said explicitly that we are against gender roles in this household, but it was more just like, okay, I see that your relationship, y'all vibe is sometimes against what is typically seen as uh man and woman gender roles. And like, you know, seeing my dad help out around the house, seeing my mom, you know, take care of like financial situations in the house. And like, okay, like I don't necessarily, if I don't want to, you know, as long as okay, my partner subscribe to these certain things. So I think having an open mind around that stuff um, was always helpful. And I think it kind of just maybe carried over until I got older and, you know, con- continuing to just be open about learning new things and not trying to just shut something away because I disagree with it, but just, like, continue to be open with it. And if I am, like, challenged by something, I think sitting with, like, what that means for me versus, like, just immediately pushing it away. And I think sometimes that's what happens And in these conversations, just like... You- niggas just want to push it away because it just they disagree with it but like how do you actually feel and then maybe come back to it so i think my parents my sister my family's always been just help us kind of just the way we kind of operate um just having open minds around things um questioning stuff uh so yeah i think just you know shout out to them i appreciate that question too
1: thank you no i had to ask because It's like watching a unicorn walk out of the forest. Stop it, stop stop
2: it, stop it. (laughs) There are not too
1: many black men talking this shit. And I'm just keeping it real with you. It is a testament. And that's why I wanted you to have that opportunity to give a shout out to your family and to your parents because it is a testament to how you were raised that you're able to have this level of empathy for communities and, 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 and an experience that you don't necessarily have. When we live in a world today where there is, I feel like a lessening in empathy from a very frustrated black man. You know, mm-hmm. So thank you for being someone that can see that it's not all about you and see also that in being a leader and being someone that has a voice that you should use it to speak for and speak against systems of oppression that affect different populations. So thank you very much for that. I'll let you go
0: from here.
2: I appreciate it, I appreciate another, that. I, I,
0: I had two questions I was gonna ask, but I, I can't remember the first one, but I know it's probably gonna come back to me. But um my next question is so in one of your episodes, you had um you had an episode talking about trans attraction, you had Lex Newman on there. And it it again, it kind of blew my mind because it's just forward thinking, because you don't see like many black cishet platforms um having that type of conversation in a responsible way and i think um you um did that um so in creating this um kind of like space or in- incubator if you will i don't want to say incubator because you're not it, a safe space yeah. for um, black men have you experienced um um black men like in the collective like revealing um having a safe space to reveal their trans attraction or if you had or if you haven't like how would you go about creating safe space for um trans amorous men to like reveal their attraction in that space um and them um, be supported um because mm-hmm. I, I know i can only imagine i'm not a black men but i can only imagine Um, from the black um men that i've interacted with that struggle with their trans attraction a lot of them don't feel like they'll be able to be supported in a genuine way by their group or their community um of men that they hang out with but they're really you know they really don't know the the levels of their friendship because they're so free afraid to like be honest and um get um get support around um their attraction or that part of their identity so Mm-hmm. has to happen or if it hasn't, um, have you thought about how to create um, space for that?
2: Yeah, I don't think going back to that episode, anybody came to me and kind of expressed that sentiment exactly. but I feel like it, just through the course of like our Facebook group and the book club, I'm trying to think of that specific thing in terms of uh, trans attraction that's come up. I think I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think when it comes to like sex and sexuality and attraction, I'm really, really proud of the way that our Facebook group talks about that and kind of provides the space to kind of ask those questions. I think we have a post in the group from 2019 that still gets like refreshed and brought up where brothers are just like asking just like sexual curiosity type questions and just having the space to do that. Um, And I feel like, you know, when it comes to black men being attracted to trans women, I think there's a lot of. One, not a lot of space to speak about it speak through it or speak to it and then also just like you know knowing that whoever you're attracted to like that is okay like and that is perfectly fine and i think of course unfortunately you know you can't share that to every single body in in your life but if there are spaces let's talk bro not to plug it but facebook group book club like it is a space and I think if we knew about more spaces where it was okay to talk about who you're attracted to, not only who you're attracted to, but what you enjoy, like in terms of pleasure. I know y'all talked about that uh, Trick Daddy clip a couple of weeks ago, which is fucking hilarious, but like knowing that it is okay to be attracted to who you are attracted to, like that is perfectly fine as long as you're not harming nobody. And the same with what in terms of makes you feel good in terms of pleasure. And I think I really, really appreciate like our community for some, it's, I think it's one thing for like us to say, be vulnerable with us, like, please be vulnerable, but for the folks to actually, you know, trust the space to do that. Um, so, you know, when it comes to anything related to sexuality, sexual orientation, um, we are very open, I feel like in our in our Facebook group and book like, and, and, I, and I don't mean that just to like brag on my own, like our own platform, but I don't know too many other spaces for black men across like sexual orientation lines, where it's gay, straight, you know, transgender, cisgender men in the space open about it. Um, So I think, yeah, just if you're able to find like those people in your life who can give you that space to be yourself and kind of talk through who you're attracted to, what you enjoy doing sexually, uh, this shit is really important, like really, really important. And I think we sometimes take that for granted. so yeah, I don't know if anybody came to me directly, but I feel like you know we just have a really good group where people are open about it. And if somebody says they're into you know something sexually, somebody else is like, "I'm into that too," or you know things like that where it's it's, it's open to to speak through it. So um, yeah, that's probably that's pro that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of with like our our community. Excellent, excellent.
1: Um, I want to ask you. So now I want to pivot. And I want to, so for those individuals that may not necessarily follow your podcast, your your, uh, theme for this season is divesting from patriarchy, if I'm not mistaken. And I would like to know how you came about that particular theme. Mm
2: -hmm. I think uh, for a while, not for a while, I mean, yeah, for a while, the podcast, we we would probably dip and dabble in talking about patriarchy but for the most part we kind of talked about the toxic masculinity and and things in like terms like that and i think for the platform and myself personally i think calling patriarchy out and naming it as a system was important so i think as valid as the conversations around toxic masculinity are they don't necessarily always point back to like it being a system of oppression so then it goes into like a gender war thing where it's like women can do toxic femininity or toxic masculinity too. And it's just like, then we get into the back and forth game where with patriarchy, we can name, we can point back to these, this, this text that we read that like pointed as a system says men have 98.5% of the power in this system. but women can also embody it. So I think sometimes men are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Women can do patriarchal stuff too, but men still have the majority of the power under patriarchy. So, being able to see that relationship is, is important.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Um, um, I guess I also wanted to know, so you've done, um, quite a, you have a body of work on the internet and we all have our pet or our, our, our favorite episodes, our episodes that really hit us. What is your favorite episode on let's talk bruh? Like what is the episode that resonates right now? Just off the top of your head as one mm-hmm. that you say That was good.
2: Yeah, it was tough. I think yeah. one one that comes up is, from,
1: baby, from your base. It's is. hard.
2: It's super hard. Like, <laughs> it I think when I get finished, I'm gonna ask y'all for y'all favorite episode for y'all podcast. Okay. See if see what comes up. But I think one that one that comes up initially is this video episode we did like literally right before the pandemic like hit hit last year. So like it was like March. Um And then like the very next weekend, everything was shut down. So I'm just really proud that we were able to like record it. And the conversation was really dope, just like a general conversation around like black masculinity, where we are. Um, And that's one. I love all the sex episodes because they're just a lot of fun. Just like being able to like really go there and like really talk about that stuff. Because like, you know, we always talk about sex, but it's like sometimes there's that like boundary of like, I ain't going to share all that. And it's like, well, why not? So some of those, some of those are are the ones that probably come to mind immediately. I'm forgetting a whole bunch though, because it's hard to remember, but you know.
1: Yes. That's awesome. I I like our sex episodes as well. You know, very much, very, especially when you get to a certain age in your regular life, you don't necessarily, unless, unless I'm around my friends and we're just talking and usually we agree I mm-hmm. never really get to share how I feel on a lot of sexual issues, so I I can concur that for me also that's one of my favorites is when we when we can talk about
0: what we like. Yeah,
2: so thank definitely.
0: You for, thank you, Brianna. Um, well, before I I I knew I was going to remember my question, but before I get into my question, because I wrote them down because I didn't want to forget them. I didn't even think that you had questions for us. So, did you want us to answer? What of our favorite episodes
2: now? Or... Well, now that we're here, I mean, we could. I mean, I, I, I mean you, create, you, don't have, you don't have to. You, you, you don't have to. You go first, and
0: I'll go. Go ahead. It's it's your show. Um, I don't want to
2: interrupt the flow. Okay,
0: okay. okay. no, no. no. This, this, okay. A, this is a conversation. It's no formal. Like, right. It's no formal no order. We can we can go with the flow. The episodes that come to my mind, we this like this season. We we've been. It's been it's been really good. I'll do it like this, right? It is not just so we do a series called um, Trans Women is a Default. We have about three episodes, three parts that we've done throughout the course of our show. But basically in those episodes, we 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 talk specifically to trans women and trans amorous men who are looking to affirm their trans attraction and to build a relationship. And I like those series of episodes because mm-hmm. it shows us as human. And it shows us is more than like, because the goal is to be in a healthy relationship where both parties or all parties are being served. And I just like those because we're able to um, speak from real experiences and we're able to humanize ourselves. So like in the first trans woman, I was going through a breakup at the time and i was really able to use my relationship and what i had recently just went through at the time to really explain how i saw the signs all along but because of the type of woman that i am because of the traumas that i went through i fell into the traps and i got what i didn't want and um i feel like particularly with trans women a lot of times we use men as validation for our own womanhood and that's a lot of times how we get ourselves into um trouble um so and because there are a lot of us that die at such young ages, it's kind of like an age gap so there's not like this information from the old school generation down to the young generation to say hey look you know, not trying to hate on you, but if you want to do this right and, you know, get the most out of it, like, listen to what I've been through. And then with our last trans woman into the fall, Lioness, who's been in a 10-year relationship, is able to give the realities of what it's like to be in a long-term relationship. And some of the things that you might experience as a as a trans woman in mostly cis head spaces and being the only one that, and have you thought about that? Because it can't just, you're not just going to be Sequester in your own little world, and you know her husband. You know they run around in certain circles with just have people. You know, divine, professional. Like you're in those mm-hmm. professional circles. So, have you thought about how you're going to handle yourself in that circle, or if something happens, how are you going to react when when people are going to not react to you the best way because they find out that you're transgender, and or your partner has had these long, these lifelong friends, or his line brothers, and they find out that he's trans attracted, and they reject him because of you. And how are you going to deal with that? Um, how are you going to deal? So, I like those episodes because it, it, it human. Like when I think of like legacy and stuff that we are leaving behind once we're not going to be on this earth beyond the glamour and all of that, I just want folks to know that we're we are human, trying to figure it out, just like everybody else, and I think those mm-hmm. not represent, you know, what we built this platform for. I'll turn it over to you, Oh That's
1: dope. Well, first, I want to say thank you for um, you know, really feeling like you got a lot out of that episode, where I was talking about life and, you know, being, being a woman. I, I think
0: we don't get to talk about that, because we over-romanticize relationships, because it's not something that's available to us that we just run into it with, like, these Disney princess aspirations, and that's just not the li- the reality day-to-day um, lived experience, so.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, for me, I... So, partially because I'm very critical in, in my own... I judge myself very harshly. Those are not my favorite episodes. Um, but I will say... <coughs> I enjoy our episode on. We did, uh, it was like 90s, 2000s digital. It was the conversation. Oh,
0: about P. Valley, um, whatever his face is from P. Valley.
1: We talked about the evolution of men and dating with the, and how it evolved as the internet evolved, as men mm. had access. And, so there was a point in time.
0: Uh, hold, hold on Jeremy do you know what the have you heard of the word trade
2: I'm familiar with it I don't necessarily <laughs> all the way know what it means but I've heard it <laughs> so good. good you don't <laughs> need to know
0: what it means good you don't need
2: to know but I feel go like ahead. I have go maybe ahead. context clues but I'll, I'll just keep listening
1: there are many definitions <laughs> not going into that
2: this
1: morning, but I will say the men that used to engage with our community used to have a certain amount of 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 awe and reverence because if you did have this attraction you usually ran into it through porn and then or or through you know maybe a chance encounter or whatever but a lot of men when they would see us in person and particularly when they were engaging with us there was we used to we joke but niggas used to catch a bus a plane a train they'll do whatever the company, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, it was like the draw towards something that particularly if you were a girl of a certain caliber and you had a certain level of ability to communicate and you kind of positioned yourself or you were kind of someone in life that they could just really just were in awe of I, you know, I, you know. I used to tell the girls, "I can stop playing in midair, make a man get off and come see me." You know, and back in the early in the in the late '90s, early 1000s, when I, you know, when I entered into this life as a very very young woman, you know, right out of high school, I there was a way that the men engaged, but how the internet and the exposure and the access to our community became so readily available that there was a difference. And the way men engage with us, and in that episode, we talked about a lot of our shenanigans. We talked a lot about our um, how you know black from from Black Planet, no, to G, from Geo City. Yeah, I walk, I slow walk from Geo City through <laughs> through Girl, all of the iterations, the chat lines for, from all the way going into Black Planet to MySpace. I mean, we took a very intentional slow dive in how men and we evolved and our dating evolved, Hmm. and that episode just to this day, I just I have to listen back and chuckle sometimes because those were the those were the times.
2: So those were the days. Those
0: were the days. That's when I was. (laughs) I, I, know. I like the episode, too, because those type of men don't really exist anymore. And That's seeing not. that character on P-Valley, particularly how he interacts with Uncle Clifford, it instantly brought me back to that time. Because you don't see, like, because it's so accessible to, like, have, ex, it's so easy to get in contact with a trans woman. It's kind of no finesse with the men. It's mm-hmm. very... But back in the two thousands and the nineties, it was more underground. So like the men, they treated they were more they treated you good because they never knew when they were going to see another yeah. Never. Yeah,
2: so it was like more 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 court shit, like more courting.
1: Yes, believe it or not, in a weird way, and, and when they had less exposure, when they had less knowledge, when they had less less awareness, when men would encounter us. There would be that inevitable moment of like, well, what what does this mean? But then there would also be this connection to you that was like richer and deeper because the way that they found out more about themselves was through the relationship with you. Hmm. There wasn't all these other opinions. It wasn't Lil Boosie going on rants about things. It wasn't the people in the community that had all these things to say. People genuinely would come across you, be to be embrace you for the human that you are, and then you dealt with the the what does this mean? And then you were able to have those kind of you could you could influence. I feel like how a man perceived community without them having, and this is no shade to my sisters, but you know the Sydney Star type of example where not that that's a negative thing, but there's a way that the media is positioning that young woman and. That example and the way that men are now able to access us through social media and the dating apps and the sex apps is pure. I turn my phone on and whatever who's in the certain geographic range, I can mm-hmm. just go over to her house. Like that, before that time, when a man ran across one of us, it was a moment in his life that meant something. And because of that, there was a way that they behaved. and in that show p valley with that um non-binary character uncle um uncle clifford there was a way that that man the, the the love interest engaged with him that was it just was It's like old times all over again because that's not how things are today with this level of exposure that men have today unfortunately you know, it gets transactional real fast. Is
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, the, the men know the lingo, the men are hitting you even if you're not even coming on that with how much, top bottom verse, what are you trying to do? You know, it, it's, it's a whole different...
0: Oh, you don't want to talk to me? Let me scroll down to the next
2: Swipe, Swipe, and, swipe like, left.
1: Girl. Swipe and keep it moving. And, and, it, and then that mentality affects us psychologically. It affects the way we show up in spaces. It affects... How a lot of these young girls, unfortunately, they don't even have the luxury of being treated the way you see in the show Pose. How a lot, some of those some of those men are treating those men, women that that is not as common as it could used to be back in the day for a man to be in awe of your trans experience. Now they know, they know the score, they know what's real and what's not. They know, right. you know, like it's a whole thing to it. So, you know, it, it, those were good times. So that episode just it hit me, it hit me in my heart.
2: Dang, i gotta check that one out i appreciate you sharing that yeah.
0: yes um so get so getting back to the um the questions so you had i can't remember his name but you had a guest on one of your not your recent episodes but a couple of episodes ago but i follow his work he does um the work in the prisons like um prison yeah feminism.
2: richie richie recita yeah
0: richie yes and he, he said on your show, and I've seen him say on other platforms, um, in order to get the men to buy into the program and what he's doing, he kind of has to incentivize how the men themselves are going to benefit from, um, even if they don't adapt the, this mind frame, just questioning it. Like, how are they going to benefit? So I'm going to turn it on you. How, how, what is your incentive? Like, how, like, wh- like, what is your um personal benefit from um doing this work and going down this path?
2: Yeah, I think like my personal benefit is that I know for me, I feel a lot more of a freer like existence when I'm able to tap into like my full humanity, and that means like you know, letting go of the the hard shell of emotions. That means like breaking that down and kind of tapping into like, instead of escaping my feelings, like, let me see, like, wait, what do I feel about this? Like, let me tap into that. Am I sad, am I I anxious, am I fearful? I need to tap into the wholeness of all those things. So it may be a little bit more harder work this way, instead of just like, you know, dishing it to the side and not thinking about it. But I think for me, being able to i guess you know divesting from patriarchy i'm able to like invest in my humanity and i got a shout out to my guy turner for like dropping that line in the podcast you know one of the earlier episodes but i think that is something kind of to richie's point that it's kind of on the other side of like toxic masculinity patriarchy whatever you want to call it it's just like more wholeness for all of us like i I don't want to be here and have to feel like i have to wear a mask when I walk into the room with the homies, like I just want to be able to let down. If I want to tell them I love them, I can do that. You can kick it, but like, just being more whole together is on the other side of some of the, the BS that, you know, all of us are raised in and groomed in. It's uh, so, like, I think I want to be able to push more towards that, but it's it's a process. It's definitely, you know, a process.
0: And then my next question is, have you faced any resistance from women on this path?
2: Oh, that's that's interesting. I think I don't think I've faced resistance like in terms of I mean, you might might have seen like some comments here and there um, echoing similar comments that maybe men have said like on Instagram, kind of those things. Are you talking about like personally, though, like personally? Yeah, personally. I don't think I necessarily have received resistance, like uh, a clean pushback. But I think uh, dating is interesting now. So, like, you know, It's very, very, I think it's very, like, interesting when I may be interacting with a woman who is cis het and, like, maybe her homophobia comes up. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to partner with somebody who is homophobic. And, like, I think some of those things are not necessarily a direct pushback on Let's Talk Bruh per se, but just in now how I, in terms of how I interact with, you know, the dating scene, you know, interacting with women, I think that becomes... And has been a lot more of a priority in terms of just like yeah I could be on this path but like if the dating pool or people who I'm dating don't believe it or are homophobic or are transphobic yeah I can't partner with that person um that's just a kind of another another layer of kind of you know just you know we talk about divesting the patriarchy like you know who are we in community with who are we partnering with um that's a big part of it but in terms of like a direct pushback, like let's talk for his wag, this shit is it's, it's terrible. Like I haven't received that, um, but I, I'm sure like, you know, some people maybe if they feel that way, maybe aren't saying it, but I'm, I'm sure it's out there. So it's like, you know, I can't, uh, whether it's out there or not, whether they're saying it or not, it can't really, you know, affect, you know, the process too much or like my day-to-day too much. It's just one of those things where, you know, just mind- mindful of it all.
1: Excellent, excellent. You know, we've been talking and what I also hear from you is that you're someone that has the desire to communicate, the desire to engage, the desire to have these conversations. So I know in my own life, you know, um, I've, um, I came into this work after doing community work and feeling like there was a lot of knowledge gaps between the larger community and my community and seeing that that gap was something that was detrimental to all parties, right? So then we are somebody's sister, we are somebody's, you know, auntie, we're somebody's family member. And I was engaging with people that say that they loved me, but did not necessarily have the language or the tools or even the the knowledge, the the actual access to knowledge to be able to speak to my experience. So I use my own personal experience to connect. In a way, you as a man are seeing and observing your environment, you're experiencing and you're hearing things from other parts of this community and you're relating to it, but what makes you want to talk about it? Because that's another step. Like it's one thing to have this, this, this personality, it's another to want to put yourself out there and, and talk about it. What do you think it is? And were you always someone that just didn't mind saying the uncomfortable thing? I know I've always been that kind of person just in general, but like, are you naturally in your regular life, someone that doesn't mind having difficult conversations or is it a changing of hats really to step into this space for this podcast?
2: Really, really good question. I'm like, I think how I want to answer it. I think number one, like I'm generally like an introvert and like reserved and just very observant, just like off just a general rip. Uh, And I think for me in my personal life, um, even relationships or otherwise there's times where I'm just like, or my partner might ask me, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, I don't know. So I think typically I'm not like the most expressive, but I think for this, for this topic, for this like work, it's just very, very, very interesting to me because it's like personal, it's like, it's very personal. I think if we're talking, like let's talk for a platform talking to black men, regardless of where you fall on the knowledge spectrum, we all can relate and understand to like what this kind of concept of black masculinity is, like what do we kind of Force onto black boys. We can all relate to that on some level. So I think kind of having that ground level of kind of understanding, it's like we can all relate and understand that, you know, when somebody told you that you couldn't cry, whether you listened to it or not, you still felt something that was maybe like, dang, like I cry. That's a natural reaction. So I think talking about it is, I think for me, just like part of my like healing, like within community. Like I think, and I don't, I don't think I knew that fully before starting the podcast. I think before starting the podcast and still to this day, just always on my solo shit, always doing my, you know, doing my thing, definitely have the homies, but like not really getting the grasp that in order for me to be my full self, I can't just do everything alone. I can't just, you know, suck it up and keep it pushing. I got to be with community of folks who see me, who love me, who want the best for me, And I feel like with patriarchy, it teaches you to avoid that stuff because it's uncomfortable. It's not manly. It's all those things. Um, So I feel like for me talking about it um, on the podcast or in the book club, it's just like another part of my, my healing process. So I don't feel like a pressure of. You know, well, sometimes I feel maybe a pressure of like having to say the right thing, but you know, because just how y'all know how the internet works, some things get taken out of context. If you Still miss one, the yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> you didn't you didn't cite page one thirty four of this this feminist am Like, damn, like you're right, but I didn't. So, <laughs> I think sometimes you, I do feel a little bit of that like pressure of having to nail the theory part every single time. But I think having the conversations, having the space just to connect. Like I know if there was no let's talk bro, I still need that. I still need to be in community with guys who who get it um, and uh, just make that a part of my everyday life. And I think you know that's one thing I, I have I think learned in this journey of like, okay, yeah, you can't just do everything by yourself or you can't.' It's, you might go quick by yourself, but you won't go like far like you, you so I think that's one thing I've been always trying to come back to even like an every, everyday process, like, you know what, reach out to your friends, like stop being in your bubble.
1: That's interesting. I find, so I've also been therapized and I think that's what allows me to be able to articulate. Mm-hmm.
2: I yep. love
1: that, you you have also?
2: Yeah, therapies, it's real. Yeah, it's, real. <laughs>
1: it's real and it does allow you to do that self-assessment, that self-analysis, mm-hmm. that looking at the, the person in the mirror that people are so afraid of. And, I think that that gave me the language to be able to articulate my feelings. But I love and I think I can identify with you saying that this is a catharsis. This is something that is healing for you. And even if it weren't recorded, you'd still be in having these conversations. You still will be seeking these relationships. And I think that's how Brianna and I started this podcast. We were organically having these conversations with sisters on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. we would literally get off the phone and be like, girl, this should have been, we should have recorded should've that. should have recorded
2: that. Yeah, yeah like that would <laughs> be, yeah. like we should
1: have recorded that. And then one day we just decided to start recording it. And then here we are, um, two years in now or more, yeah, two years in now. And so mm-hmm. it's just exciting to to hear that that, that that is a common experience. And I can relate for sure. Brianna, did you have any?
0: Um, I have two um, last questions and I'll turn it to you if you have any more questions. So my second question, and this should be fun. This is the fun question. Okay. If you could create a retreat for Black men celebrities, like a, okay. a, a a Black feminism healing retreat, and we'll we'll limit it to five, what um what men would you pick to participate a part of this retreat and why? Who you?
2: So pick I could I could pick five. Okay. Yes, we can do five. All right, Boosie, Boosie, ah. Boosie, Boosie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if I'm picking five, like, but no, like, I don't know, like it's a lot. Like, I think I would honestly would love to have a conversation with the baby, just like, just to talk. Cause I feel like, I don't that was just like a missed <laughs> opportunity, like to have that moment and nobody really, one of his peers like checks him, It's just like, dang, like real 2021, we still doing this? I would love to like you know chop it up with the baby and be like, yo, bro, like where did that come from? Like just ask the root of that. Mm. Uh the baby, uh, I don't know, Boosie would be a lot. <laughs> Boosty would be a lot. Uh you have
0: to have a lot of um like hostess snacks and
2: candy. Right,
0: right. right. Break <laughs> out, <laughs> right? Right.
2: Yeah. I think one person two flavors would,
0: of Kool-Aid mixed together. Right, like just sugar. making sure
2: that, you know. We're locked in, uh, (laughs) he's listening.
0: Because he requires a lot of some pixie sticks.
2: (laughs) It's like the thing with Boosie that trips me out is it's almost just like he keeps getting like a breakfast form breakfast breakfast form breakfast club platform to like talk his stuff, but there's no counter to it. It's like there's nobody to say, Hey, this is harmful because X and just like we keep, you know, rinse and repeat, but um, I'm trying to think of people on maybe the opposite end who are not so hashtag problematic um, I think interestingly enough Kevin Durant to me is very interesting From like just a very visible like he's he's very like he's very tapped into social media and, like he resp- from like a mental health vulnerability point of view just like I'd be interested to talk about like that piece of it and like why he responds to so many like trolls It's like bro you're Kevin Durant like you know whatever but i know there's a lot of people who i would love to talk to um so yeah i'm trying to think of other names but though, those
1: father think, with kevin samuels do you think he should be at the retreat or would you keep him out, keep Kev- him
2: out, well, so out that's of him? a very very good question should kevin samuels be at the retreat I think you would have to have a pre conversation with Kevin Samuels first, because I feel like he's a master at getting out of things and avoiding it. But it's like, if he's, if somebody is to me, if if somebody is willing to have an honest, open conversation, I'm willing to like, it doesn't have to be the most pretty. We don't have to disagree, but if you're willing to see my side, I'm willing to see your side. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. But I think when it comes to like, my position or just my identity, the straights, just gender, like I I'm cool having that conversation, but it's just like, I don't know if, especially a celebrity level, like they all the time want to do that, like interrogation, like that kind of deep self interrogation to talk about like the, why you said what you said and not skirt out of it and not give like a half ass apology on Instagram. Like, so, you know, I think, you know, Kevin Samuels can come. It's just, he's going to need to be open and like all the the performance of that, we're gonna strip that down. So,
1: well, they wouldn't be recording because you know he gonna act up on camera, right? Right. What do you think about <laughs> Ti being
2: at the meeting. Ti definitely needs to be there. <laughs> uh, Ti could definitely get. some, And I I don't like I, I think that's why like I sometimes struggle with the, and I think one number one like cancel culture isn't a real thing, but I sometimes struggle with like the. And I think rightfully so, especially if you are an identity who is being targeted by these people like fuck some niggas. But like, I think I sometimes struggle when other I see other straight black men who get it, just want to throw those niggas away. Because I'm just like, we could, if we had access to them, have these conversations, they might listen. But if we're just saying, you all no, nah, y'all niggas are trash. I mean, some of them are. But I don't know. I feel like there's still a lot of room. I would like to have hope that there is room for some people to see, you know, that there is harm what they said. Uh, Maybe I'm being cautious or too optimistic or too naive about it, but I feel like there's, you know, on a mainstream level, we haven't, Mike Tyson, actually, I don't know if y'all saw his episode with Boosie. The way he checked, the way he checked them was actually decent. I appreciated that. I don't know if y'all saw it though.
0: I did. I did. Okay, so we, we
2: have our, because I
0: want to say, we need somebody, like, we need somebody to balance everybody. Like everybody, right. everybody can't be intense. Like we need, and the fact that he could literally beat all four of them up—that it's on host.
2: Right. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's control. gonna check Mike Tyson. <laughs> right. Nobody's gonna be like, "You're not gonna. You're gonna subdue yourself the minute you walk in the door." So maybe, maybe if Mike Tyson he hosts the retreat, and like, yo, Mike Tyson's gonna ask you these questions, and if you don't answer honestly. Mike could put hands on you. I don't know. I don't right throwing stuff out. I don't know. But yeah, that was that was a very interesting intervention that I thought. You know,
1: I think. That just well, I have a question: What queer person? Because I also think there should be balance. Mm-hmm. What queer man or gay man do you think should also be on that panel? Because I do feel like we're you know it's it's very this head leaning, and those are the people that need to be there to get the learning. But mm-hmm. who is that person that you would bring on? To be the dissenting opinion, Billy
0: Porter.
2: Yeah. Hmm. You Billy said Billy Porter. Porter.
0: I say, believe it or not, I say. Bob. Oh, so y'all, so y'all just gonna pay it and not laugh? I was trying to be funny. I was trying. To oh, funny. girl, I thought she was you were serious. Know? That's why I didn't laugh. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: Billy Porter.
1: I thought you were serious
2: too. I was like, all right. I mean, we could we could consider him. We could consider, we could consider, consider Billy Porter. Him. We could add him to the maybe list.
1: But do you know who I think would really get to the root? and will really trigger in a way that I think will forward the conversation, Little Nas X. I feel like if he was at that
2: retreat,
1: in full regalia, (laughs) but I feel like if he was at that retreat, because right now, and I want to ask your opinion, and this is going to lead into my next question. Mm -hmm. Little Nas X right now, the reason why I think he should be at that retreat is because he's someone that I I do believe it's intentional that he is trolling respectability politics. He is trolling the Black culture's identity in a way because it's rooted in respectability politics and this toxic masculinity and this idea that a man, a Black man in particular, because they are under attack... has A a dark-skinned Black
0: man. A
1: dark-skinned Black man, particularly... And because Black men feel like they're under attack, particularly men of a certain complexion, particularly men that don't have access to this, like, you know, exotic privilege that we give to certain types of Black men, the, you know, Shay, the Shamar Moores and those men in the world. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. definitely representing a rank and file Black man, but he's not showing up in a way that makes these men feel comfortable. And that is why they feel so comfortable being so difficult to him. And I feel like if he were to come to this meeting, you would already have triggered them enough to be real. Cause uh, you know, particularly T.I. and Boosie and some of these other people, they're used to kind of like being in front of the camera. And then when I'm not being on the camera, they say certain things, but this man is a trigger. And I want to now ask you, What do you think about Lil Nas X and what he's doing to the culture right now? Do you think it's helpful? Do you think it's problematic? And where do you stand on, are you a supporter of his? Like, how do you feel about what he's doing right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's very dope. I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of his music. I just never ever checked it out. But like, in terms of like the culture, it's like, I love the fact that he's making niggas uncomfortable. Like just, and I feel like that, you know, will push us forward because it's like, it, it, I don't know, the way the internet works, it's almost like Boosie is going to get memed to death, and then maybe he can start like learning why this is harmful. Because when you see yourself, you know, Lil Nas X's platform is going to continue to raise because he's obviously very talented and just knows how to work the internet. Um, and I think as I would hope as time goes on, the messages that either Lil Nas X is putting out or other similar artists become more of the norm. So like Boosie and other artists who feel like him can realize like, okay, this is not necessarily a Lil Nas X problem. This is a problem that I had. Like, you know, and I think if we're able to have more people like Lil Nas X to like normalize either his artistry, his messaging, people who are maybe against it can be can have more moments where they sit and be like, okay, this queer people have been here. They're not going anywhere maybe I need to take a step inward and look inward. And I feel like if we have more messages out there, hopefully, you know, people are having these moments and having people check them on that. Um, but yeah, I think is if he's, if he can make a little Boosie uncomfortable and have these conversations and almost like put, you know, it's probably too early to see little Boosie's transformation, but who knows, maybe like in two, three, four years, there might be another Blue Boosty interview where he reconsiders some of this stuff because of the changing of the guard. I don't know. Hopefully that could happen. Um, But I feel like, you know, and with Kid Cudi now, I think Kid Cudi and Lil Nas X are, are looking to collaborate Um, because Kid Cudi literally said, like, I want to do whatever I can to support him, you know, and I think having somebody like a Kid Cudi who is straight, who's been in the game for a minute, that means something, having that visibility and kind of that cosign and hip hop has always means something. So I feel like if we can continue to see, you know, artists like that and the collaborations like that happen and it's more normalized in hip hop, like hopefully there's a change. Like hopefully that kind of pushes us or continues to push us in a direction where, you know, the homophobia isn't just a facet of the culture. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I agree, I agree. Let me ask you. So now this is something that we hear often bandied about in the media and I want to know your opinion or, or as a as, as a man that works in this works with this community topic. What do you think about is there well let me ask you just generically is there a gay agenda
2: and are we a part of it? I it's, it's funny. <laughs> I feel like if I following certain friends they'll tweet like ironically about there being a gay agenda but it's kind of like that point about a lot of folks feel like their masculinity is under attack so i feel like if you believe that you might have reason to believe there's a gauge agenda if you believe that your masculine is under attack and you believe those messages uh and that comes back to like just personal interrogation and personal reflection and like like you said like being if you are able to be therapized having that process um but yeah like i think if anything else the only agenda is there is a little bit more visibility for for queer people on the internet, on TV, just a little bit and it's just making niggas uncomfortable. That's probably the only bit of the gay agenda that actually is real. It's just like, you might see queer folks on TV on your timeline more than you did five, 10 years ago. Um, and I think a lot of folks have a hard time reconciling the fact that we could see a man and a woman kiss or have a love scene and not think there's a straight agenda, you know, growing up, that's all, you know, pretty much all I saw on TV, but the moment it's, you know, two men kissing, it is, oh my God, I have to bring my Bible and tell my kid, what is this? And it's like all this extra stuff. So yeah, nah, ain't no gay agenda. It's just, you know, people are uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) I agree. I agree with you on that. And my last question for you is, so there there is always controversy when, you know, like you said, when there's more exposure to sexualities that are, that have not been commonly shown on television. And particularly in recently in the media, there has been a lot of pushback, speaking, going back to Little Nas X, there's been a lot of pushback about his performances. And one thing that I saw that was very interesting was there was a stark contrast between how people reacted to Little Nas X's performance, and then the Normani, Tiana Taylor performance where they were grinding on each other, which is reminiscent of something Janet Jackson has done Mm -hmm. for many years on tour. And there is an idea that somehow the two are different. Now, I have my opinions, but I wanted to know, what do you think about that contradiction in the way society reacts to the, the showing of a non-heteronormative sexuality for get for gay men and then how that's a double standard in how that same thing applies to how women show themselves.
2: Yeah. It, it's that that is really interesting. I just feel like, you know, if two women are kissing, it's and if you're a straight man you're like, "Oh, this shit is dope." Like I love it. Even though that may not be for you. It's not for us. It's not like, you know, they don't do that to get male attention. I think our gaze is projected onto that. Um, so like we are attracted by that. Like if you like women, you might like to see two women kiss, but if you already have, you know, some homophobic feelings or reservations toward gay, gay men, they are like, hell nah, like that is, that is an issue, but you can't even see it as the same thing because of those, those blockers that are up and we, we've been kind of conditioned to think about, you know, women's sexuality, you know, being for our entertainment and our pleasure versus men's sexuality that. Number one, we haven't really even sat with ourselves yet, like our own sexuality. So if we see a man kiss another man, it's like, oh, this I don't know what I feel about it, but that has to be wrong. <laughs> like, There's no interrogation. There's no thought. It's just I don't know how I feel. I just know that's wrong. And then you, if you ask somebody, why is it wrong? It just is. So, you know, I think we haven't just had enough of those moments to sit and reflect. And it's the same thing. It just happens to be two women versus two men. But it's, you know, the same exact thing.
1: I agree. Thank you. Thank you for your and thank you for your honest answer
0: this
2: evening,
1: Brana. Did you have any final question?
2: Yeah my
0: my final question is, what, what do you want? I was going to ask about your your platform, but I'm more interested about you. What do you want your legacy to be?
2: I might need to come back and answer that in like two weeks because I'm just like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think, I think, I think just to be somebody who that's tough. I think for me, it's like, I want the people who are closest to me to know that I love them, like, and just know that I showed up for them. And I think that's like a daily thing. Cause like, I mean, Brianna talked about earlier, new job, you know, focus on career. I think a lot of, I know, focus can be on like for myself, the work, the work, the work. But like, I just want, and I hope that the people in my life who are the closest to me know that I love them, know that and I appreciate their love. Um, So regardless of what happens with like the work, like my homies know that like, I'm here, whatever you need. And hopefully they know that, you know, knock on wood after I pass or whatever else like I think that's the biggest thing, like, and I think for me doing this work, it's like, I want Let's Talk Bro, to be, you know, a platform that black men respect and come back to, but like, I can't face my, my worth and my value and how well Let's Talk Bro, does. So I think kind of getting to a fundamental of fundamental level of like, you know, I wanna do great work, but at the same time, I want to be in community with people that I love, who love me. Um, and know that I care, I think, I, I, hope, I hope that is that resonates with the people who I'm around, like that I care. And, you know, it's definitely like kind of that ongoing daily work um, that I think is some of the most important stuff for me, you know.
1: Before we um, let you go, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you, um, how can, so I know you've got a lot going on. Um, this is promo time. So tell us a little bit about what you have going on in your future and tell us how, and let our fans know how they can reach you and how they can access more of your content and have, and hear you talk more about these topics.
2: I appreciate you uh, giving the disclaimer, this is promo time, because I might just, you know, all right, this is dope, see (laughs) y'all, whatever. Uh, So the upcoming months, October through the rest of this year, we're doing some more video episodes and like events. So we'll have like one episode drop each month with an event happening, corresponding with that same episode for that same month. So um, just stay on the lookout for that. October, we're launching that. So it's the pain on when this comes out. Um, October is when we'll kind of, you know, kind of almost a rebirth of Let's Talk uh, visually and as far as the community. So Uh, If you just tap into Let's Talk Bruh on our Instagram, at Let's Talk Bruh, or on Twitter, at Let's Talk Bruh Pod, you'll see all the info when it comes out. Um, Really, really, really excited about it. So, yeah, just stay tuned, you know. I think you'll probably see us start teasing some stuff early October. So, just, you know, stay on the lookout.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, um, sis, I'm going to go ahead and take us out. Oh, no, hold
0: on. How can people get in contact with you? Well, he
2: doesn't uh so just same thing on twitter um for uh, if you want to follow let's talk bro on instagram it's at let's talk bro follow us on twitter at let's talk bro pod um i'm on instagram and twitter at just j hurt it's just my first name first uh, i can't even speak j h e r t e it's just out if you want to want to follow uh so yeah i try to put some interesting stuff out there sometimes i go blank from social media for a while because i need a break but you know if you want to tap in shoot me a message like let's talk bro let me know um so yeah this was dope i appreciate y'all inviting me to your space for real
0: And thank, thank you so much jeremy
2: thank, thank you
1: sure. this has been a conversation with jeremy of let's talk bro a podcast for uh, on Black masculinity, and we thank you for coming today. We thank all of our patrons on Patreon for all of your love and support, and we ask that you continue to engage with us in our com- in our comment thread. We do read. Shout out to all of our subscribers on YouTube and everyone that follows us on all of our social media platforms. We thank you, thank you for all of your love and support, and like. Jeremy just said we have some exciting things coming up in the future, and we just hope that you stay tuned as we and part in our progress as we evolve and grow and, and and expand our content. This has been another episode of Box Number Five Twelve Podcast Grow and Black Trans Woman Talk, and I am one of your co-hosts, the Lioness, and I am Aon. Bye.
2: Peace. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number Five Twelve Podcast. Wrong Black Trans Woman Talk.
1: And don't forget to become a patron on the box number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new, exclusive content.
0: And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye.